I feel the need, the need for another recruitment drive for the American Navy. No, I mean, I feel the need for another top gun. The first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. It's a flesh wound. Axe on that. Axe off. I know Kung Fu. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. here. Warrior. I ate his liver with some fava beans. Nice candy. Greed, for lack of a better word, is good. Show me the money. I drink your milkshake. The snozzberries taste like snozzberries. How do you like them, Max? All right, all right, all right. These guys are 11. I'll be back. Forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown. It wasn't the airplane. Beauty killed the beast. Welcome everybody to Pop Culture. I'm Scott. I'm Jason. And I'm Monica. And this episode, I don't know what the hell happened to my brain just then. This, this episode we are talking about everyone's favorite sequel to everyone's favorite beach volleyball film we are of course talking about top gun maverick a movie that i didn't even see so was it good guys <laughs> i'm terrible lately it's just kids suck <laughs> well much like a mcdonald's hamburger it felt most carefully crafted to be easily consumed is the best way I could describe it. And of course, that means it was very, very enjoyable. But it was going Monica. Was it just like, like yeah. the last Top Gun, like that same flavor? <laughs> right. Uh, down to... No, I wouldn't say that. Uh, I'd say it's actually better than the first one. Agreed. The, the first one is quite yeah. terrible. Absolutely. Yeah, the first one. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, I felt like I really wanted to walk into this movie disliking it and I walked out actually really enjoying myself. Um, I have very scant memories of the first Top Gun film, but um, this one I felt sort of stuck to the formula but just sort of tweaked it here and there and it actually made for a really enjoyable kind of movie. You know, you meet a cool ragtag group of kids who are, you know, these great pilots and they have a mission and Tom Cruise is going to teach them a couple of things. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Yeah, <laughs> it has the drama, the, the romance, the bromance, the action yes. and the presence of Tom Cruise to help it along. Uh, it's really bizarre, his screen presence. I mean, he doesn't have to do much, but he still stands out. I don't know why. It's um, mm. something it's strange about Tom Cruise in that sense. insanity. Yeah, it could be. I don't that know. Is it, in the living embodiment of a human being. <laughs> yeah. Like say say what you will about Tom Cruise, like he does have this kind of impressive aura about him when he is on screen. Like you can't kind of look away from him. It's I don't know if it's the veneers or you know just the way that he talks, but um I actually quite enjoyed him in the movie. He was, you know, slipping into a comfortable pair of shoes in this character and I felt like he was enjoying himself. No, he's not a he's not a I'd never say he's a bad actor. I just I don't think he is. No. I he he tends to play the same character a lot. Mm. 
And we do get the token Tom Cruise running through a field in a really funny kind of way. So I was very happy to see that. <laughs> yeah, he does, he does have a very goofy run. He does. It's hysterical. But like, I mean, I mean, the world obviously loves him because we wouldn't be getting the seventh Mission Impossible next year if, if they didn't. Mm. And um, he, yeah, he's had a box office appeal for a long time, and this is probably one of his most celebrated roles from the eighties. It's like this and what Days of Thunder are the sort of Oh, big cultish one, I would have thought. <laughs> from the 80s. No, I think that, um, like, really. Yeah. I mean, apart from sliding oh. around your underwear, no one's really parodying <laughs> oh, <dude. laughs> Jerry Maguire, I suppose. Yeah, Jerry Maguire's. Yeah. And The Firm and things. I mean, he did broaden his film base a lot more prior to these action films. Um, so I guess that's where he's drawing from and that he's not just that action hero all the time. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I think the reason this one works better than the original Top Gun, it actually had a sort of a real mission. Whereas from my memory of the first one, it was really vague what in the world was going on. Cause they seem to be over American soil the whole time. Whereas, um, yeah, and then this one like sets a, up a, a mist, a, a MIG maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but this one sets up a proper mission like you'd expect mm. in any action prop film where we can see the goal or um, it requires the Top Gun pilots to be trained to do something mm -hmm. which is deemed pretty much impossible and obviously the only person who could do that is Maverick and the only person who believes in him is Iceman, if you remember Val Kilmer's <laughs> character. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm because he's an admiral and he's the one who puts Maverick into that position while Maverick's still a captain and that's all he wants to be. And mm. it sort of seems to be the thrust of his character arc is to just accept that that's who he's going to be. <laughs> I can't, can't think of anything else I he does me. in terms of development. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not really... Him. It's maybe not so much that he's perfectly fine with being a captain because we know that he is. I guess the um, emotional payoff for his story is the relationship with the character of Rooster, who is Goose's son. So his friend who, you know. <gasps> Goose. <laughs> Goose. Talk to me, Goose. Never, never quite cleaned off the inside of his son. <laughs> <laughs> no, perhaps not. But um, it sets up a really interesting dynamic. Um, they bring Miles Teller into this um, franchise, who I think is a really skilled actor. And he actually, you know, plays against Cruz's Maverick with um, a really um, talented um, young pilot who's really kind of second guessing himself a lot of the time, but also holds a lot of resentment um, towards Maverick over a lot of different things. So I appreciated the emotional um, journey that those two characters went on together in the film. Yeah, Teller's generally pretty good. He is. He, um, he, he was in Whiplash. Was, <laughs> in, in terms of the acting, everyone was solid. It was no mm. weak point. Um, no, not at all. The action sequences, like from my memory of the original Top Gun, the only thing I sort of appreciated was seeing the aircraft flying around in ways that was probably never filmed before um, mm. at that time. It looks pretty lame by today's comparisons. Uh these ones, though, were really interesting because yeah. the majority of it was inside the cockpit uh, a good chunk of the time, and you could see the G-forces actually affecting them as they were flying, which mm. was looked like real G-forces to me because <laughs> uh, when you think of mm. acting and everyone going, oh, and moving to the side on <laughs> a ship or something Star like Trek that, it acting. doesn't... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it is. It like wasn't that. like that at all. It looked like they were being thrown around. Well, I've heard uh, um, it's giving people motion sickness. I could understand that. Yeah, I could. Yeah, yeah, I'm. I guess it also depends on which kind of cinema you go and see the film in. There's 3D, 4D. You know, I just went and saw it like a normal person at a regular cinema. Well, so, it depends how, how weak your constitution is. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it does actually bring an extra sort of um, sense to an audience member um, being inside the cockpit with the pilot. So it does actually um, give you an idea that there are actual stakes in the mission that these guys are trying to con- complete. So it is really interesting that they do a lot of the shoots inside the cockpit. I actually really liked that. Well, it was very gopro for it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so obviously doing his own stunts, you get to see things like that. And um, mm. it's quite remarkable seeing that. <laughs> Tom Cruise, insurance liability. <laughs> well, he doesn't. That's why he produces his films. Because <laughs> mm. then he doesn't have to meet any requirements. So it's, um, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, it's a bold choice to do these things, I think, as Tom Cruise does in terms of uh, mm. risking himself for that action however the payoff in terms of seeing real action with the actor mm. uh, does stand out it's it's one of those things and maybe that's one of the reasons a tom mm. cruise film often has this other element to it because he's actually the stuntman so it yeah. changes it a lot yeah i mean t- comparing it to say the mission impossible movies that he's been doing for quite some time now they're all centered around these huge action pieces that everybody knows he's actually doing himself so it just brings you um, that sense of, oh, this is actually really impressive that the actor is, you know, daring to do something mm. as daring as this. He's not relying mm. on the stunt crew to do it. Check out Mission Impossible Fallout to watch him break his leg in camera. <laughs> <laughs> and just he just keeps going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, maybe it is that manic nature of his that we're, makes him so appealing on screen. Mm. Um, yeah, the... The film sort of also threw a bit of a nostalgic throwback to a lot of 80s music throughout it was too. They, so they, was yeah, Kenny Loggins? Yeah, it was in the opening scene. <laughs> yeah, <there> was. <laughs> we got so up some danger zone. Let's just get this out of the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everyone's no, I actually, <laughs> to be honest, I think it was actually purposely done and it was done in a way that made you put on that comfortable shoe again. Like yeah. you knew exactly where you were. By hearing that music and i i equate it to um obi-wan no just the title sequence to obi-wan was john williams score and it's the first time i've seen the television shows actually feel like before i'd yeah. seen any frame of footage feel like it was part of star wars instantly and it showed the effect of john williams music in terms of star wars this showed the effect of that 80s sort of pump and rock. Yeah. some planes. Yeah. 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 But it, it sort of, it instantly placed me in the right frame of mind. And I, I actually think it was really purposely done, not, not to get out of the way, but to make a really instant link between the last film and this one. I think so as well. It's there to manage an expectation. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I was really surprised. I, I didn't like Top Gun whatsoever, the, the original. Um, this one was really a very, very solid action film. Um, mm. I wouldn't say it's one of the greatest of all time or anything, but it certainly stands up there as solid action. Yeah, I would agree. It's a very solid film. Cool. 
hopefully I will get to see it. And then in a future episode, I'll be like, oh, yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Top Gun Maverick. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Pop Culture, guys. I've been Scott. I'm still Jason. And I'm still Monica. Pop Culture is produced by and recorded by Jason, Eddie, Monica Porto, and Scott Souter. The song for this week's episode was, of course, Danger Zone by Kenny Loggins. If you'd like to get in touch with us, we are on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash popculturepod, on Twitter, popcultureau, we're on Instagram, and we're on YouTube. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode, and we will catch you on the next episode of Pop Culture. Attention,